Hi, and welcome to Screens in Focus podcast, where we share and connect as we spotlight our favorite shows and movies. I'm Diana, and today we are talking about The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Season 5, along with some TV and movie recommendations. Courtney is here today. Hi, Courtney. How are you? Hello. I'm swell and snappy. <laughs> oh, I love that. Swell <laughs> and snappy. All right. So we are going to be talking about The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, yes. and with her being a stand-up comedian. I would love to know, and our question of the day is, who is your favorite female stand-up comedian? I have multiple favorites. First of all, we love comedy shows. We go we go see comedy shows at the Improv a lot, and we also watch the specials on Netflix. Um, so the old standard, Amy Schumer, of course, she's fantastic. We saw her live in November. Uh, I love Eliza Schlesinger. We've also seen her at uh, the Mountain Winery. We went up to go see her. Uh, I do love Fortune. What's her last name? Feister. Fortune Feister. She's the blonde. She's hilarious. She's um, she was just in the series called Fubar, uh, which oh, is uh, uh-huh. the, the new series on uh, I think it's on Netflix starring yes. Arnold Schwarzenegger. She plays his like kind of sidekick, I guess, the other FBI agent. She's hilarious. And then, uh, I mean, there's many, many others, many others, but I think those are probably the, the standouts for me. I love that you're able to go to so many shows. That's amazing. And I actually don't watch that many stand-ups. I don't. I don't know what it is. So I've always thought Ellen DeGeneres was funny. I think Wanda mm-hmm. Sykes is funny. Oh, Wanda Sykes. We just watched her new special on, on, on Netflix, too. She's fantastic. It was good. Yes. And she gets political which I love because she hates Trump. And she she had a hilarious bit in there where she was talking about um, banning books and banning drag shows. And she said, I'm sorry, but until a drag queen walks into a school and beats a kid to death with, with Catcher in the Rye, don't tell me that, they, that they're a danger to anybody. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. But what I wanted to say was that Ali Wong is now oh, on my radar. Yes. How could I forget her? Yeah, I just, she's very raunchy, but she is yes. also extremely funny. And yes. I'm excited to see new TV shows, movies that she does, and also stand up. Yes, I would say, um, I would say, check you her watch out. her her latest show uh, that she has on Netflix. What the heck is it called? It's the one where she is. Uh, it's about road rage. Beef. Beef. Yes, thank you. Love it. Yes, hilarious. <laughs> yes, because I love Stephen Yun. Yes, I she's great in that. Yeah, she is. Well, that's why that's I saw that, saw her, and then I saw another one of her movies, and then I saw her stand up. So it was all of a sudden I was like, Ellie Wong, she's amazing. Yes. So friends out there, let us know what you think. Who is one of your favorite female stand-up comedians? You can reach us on Twitter or Instagram at Screens in Focus. All social media links are on our website at screensinfocus.com. We would love to hear from you. The links are in our show notes. All right, so let's get to the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yes. It's been on for five seasons. And when it first came out, we saw that the premise was this woman, Miriam Midge Maisel, a classic 1950s housewife who begins pursuing a career in comedy after her husband, Joel, leaves her. So I would love to know, like, 
what made you tune in and what made you stay to watch this series? Well, tuned in because um, I'm married to a Jewish guy. <laughs> and so I love, I, I've been sort of indoctrinated into the Jewish culture and his family, his grandparents were quintessential Jewish grandma and grandpa, you know, it, like we, we used to call them, they're literally like Jerry's parents on Seinfeld when they were alive. Ah. <laughs> and so just love, love any kind of comedy that takes place um, in, you know, especially in New York and, you know, that yeah. explores the like nuances of what it means to be in a Jewish family, which I just think is hilarious, you know, like it's just very familiar to me. So that's why we started watching and stayed because the, the writing, the, the relationships, the, the premise was just entertaining as hell. <laughs> it was great. And I love a strong female character too. Yes. Well, I absolutely love the writing and the acting. It just drew me in. I love how quick witted the writing is and you know, the actors performing it. Yeah. I thought it was different. I love the 50s and 60s and New York. So that yep. was a big draw. Also, that a woman is tackling comedy in this era. I thought that that was super intriguing and something I hadn't seen before. Yes. And I think that I didn't watch it initially, not knowing about it. If I can remember correctly, I think I saw that it was winning Emmys, Golden Globes. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, why is this show winning so many? I got, I have to go check this out. So I went and checked it out and I was immediately gripped and um, excited. And, you know, I was like, yep. this is a show I love. <laughs> so yeah. I started watching it and sharing it with everybody else. So I think it's relatable in that sense, right? Loving those things and being a woman and trying something that maybe other people don't see you doing or trying. Totally. So. Well, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people have sort of like fantasies about being able to have the courage to stand up on stage yeah. and even try out stand up. Exactly. And I I admired that about her and and her her journey along the way, right? Like she was always sort of fearless about it, but there is also something extra special about her style of comedy, which is ranting <laughs> and making fun yeah. of her life, right? Like, I mean, she's sort of yeah. an observationalist in that way and uh, look, examining her own life and her own situations and poking fun of them as a way of almost like a coping mechanism, right? Because it her is. husband leaves her and she is trying to find her way as a single parent in New York with parents who live with her and the overbearing nature of, you know, the family business and, her ex-husband being as a part of the family business and then her trying to find her way through it. So I think that was, that was also intriguing because we all have our own coping mechanisms. So, I mean, if comedy has to be it, what better way? <laughs> this is a lot more uh, generative and productive than a lot of other right. coping mechanisms that you could go to, you yeah. know, and, and I did, I think a lot of people maybe dropped off in season two because they spent the summer in the Catskills which was very dirty dancing to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I liked it. I loved it too, you know, but I think a lot of people were like, where is this show going? I don't understand, you know, where, where this is going. And I, just because I'm also a fan of dirty dancing, uh, stayed, yeah, me stayed too. for that. It was very much yeah. like that. Um, 
but I loved watching her grow o- over the subsequent seasons, you know, and, and how she starts to explore her romantic life and her interactions. And, you know, I, I was, I watched the cast yesterday on an episode of Kelly Clarkson. Uh, it, it was Rachel and then the woman who plays Susie and then uh, her husband and then her father, right? Tony Shalhoub. Oh, I love them. I'm going to have to look for that episode. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And and it was really interesting to watch the interaction because of uh, how, how Susie and Midge, the, the Rachel, and I can't remember the, what's the name of the actress who played Susie? Alex Bornstein, is it? Alex, Alex yeah. Bornstein? Alex, who, who's also a comedian herself, right? Uh, she's a stand-up comedian. She has her own uh, show that's actually on uh, Amazon Prime right now as well. Oh, I and, didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. They, she has her own her own comedy special. Um, they described it as a love story between the two of them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I not romantic love, certainly, but sisterly love, friend love, like a deep uh, exploration of what it means to have this longstanding symbiotic friendship of uh, representation manager, you know, talent, but also their their evolution of the relationship over time as you know, Midge's career starts to take off and Susie's career starts to take off and the falling out and the, you know, reconciliation of what happens naturally in a lot of, you know, close friend relationships like that. You know, you said something earlier about using uh, comedy as uh, therapy and using her real life as a reference to her comedy. Yeah. And that reminded me and I'm jumping ahead. (laughs) We're going to we're going to jump there for one second and then (laughs) get into the beginning of season five. Yeah. But when you said that it reminded me of that point, I think it was in episode seven. And it was when that actor, I don't know if he was a producer, but he wanted to steal uh, Miriam Midge from yes. Gordon Ford, because he went into the writer's room and everybody was giving him ideas. And then she came out with, use your book, use what you have, use your history, you, you yeah. know, use part of this in your comedy. And he did do that. And it worked. And so mm-hmm. then he wanted her to be a writer in his show. So it just yeah. it reminded me of that when you said when you mentioned it. So I tied those to what you had said and then seeing that later on. So you're yeah. so good at picking up those those things in what we see. <laughs> All right. So let's get to season five. Great. I think that this season really filled in some gaps and with the flash forwards and the flashbacks and we see Ethan and Esther grown up. And their troubled relationship with their mom. And we see Joel's arrest and incarceration. We see Susie and Midge's split and then reconciliation. Midge's career, uh, her and Joel's past, along with their parents and their families. And it's just so much packed into the season. I loved it all. So did I. I love that they just tied up everything and explored everything. So what did you think of the season overall? Oh, everything that you just said. I I love the way that they showed the flash forward of Esther um, as like this tortured uh, teen or I guess later age teen. I think she was getting her PhD. So because it was 1961 when season five began. So okay. that means that the daughter was probably born in the 50s. Yeah, I was gonna say late 50s. So maybe she would have been a little older. Neither here nor there. My point is, (laughs) interesting, you know, to see the flash forward and, you know, her, her sort of growing up a a tortured 
adult because of yeah. her, I guess, years of neglect right. of, you know, growing up with a mother who was on the road and probably raised still by the, the family nanny and, and the grandparents. So I love that part of it. Yeah. I, I loved the whole f- full circle thing. I loved watching her um, get a spot in the writer's room uh, at the Gordon Ford show. I, I loved her dealing with being in a room full of men, you know, not a yeah. lot has changed. Uh, since then, even though supposedly women writers are a lot more celebrated, sorry, they're not even paid equally today. Yeah. Like we're yeah. in 2023. And so this was, you know, 40, 50 years later, which is unfortunate. So I, I appreciated that about this show in being true to the struggles of what it meant to be a professional working women or woman writer um, on a on an, a very popular uh, entertainment show, but also in the same way, shown a light on the things that haven't changed today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I actually loved it for the same exact reasons that you just said. I think the, the uh, watching her on the Gordon Ford show with these other men and trying to figure it out. And I don't just li- even little things running around with the chair to put it in when they go sit down and how every time they would sing when somebody went to the bathroom yeah, (laughs) and then they all leave. And then that one guy goes to the bathroom and then she starts to sing and he's all, this is my office. (laughs) So just these little things of her trying to catch up. Yep. It's just so funny. But, and of course all the writing and the acting that we, I keep bringing up and I'm going to keep bringing it up because that really is to me what grounded the show. And was, it was uh, the highlight of the show was both those things, but yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I agree with you on the overall, you know, what I got overall on this whole season five. Tell me what stood out to you in the season. The, the spotlight on both of the parents as, as they age and become kookier and more annoying and uh, their, their quirks uh, start to become more uh, on display, especially Joel's parents. <laughs> <laughs> and and the the, the storyline about how you know as Midge's career became more successful, how much more, um, I don't know, outwardly proud both sets of the parents became, and you know I, I feel like it's I don't know if it's a, like a very culturally Jewish thing, but it doesn't matter that they're divorced, right? Because they they'd already already adopted Midge as their daughter, and she was going to remain their daughter yes. even even through a divorce, and it didn't matter, right? Even yeah. through an incarceration, it just doesn't matter. You're still family. You become part of the family, and you never leave. Mm-hmm. So I did. I did appreciate that. And and they just it was just funny, right? Like I guess just goes back to like I'm experiencing some of this, uh, you know, with my in laws being aging Jewish parents. <laughs> a lot of there's a lot of similarity in a lot of the, the things that you know came out, which I just sort of you know personally touched me and tickled me. Yeah, it was just very funny and. There was a couple confusing things like help me understand that one scene where Midge and Joel are on the fire escape and they they share a kiss. You know, I, I didn't understand what was that for? You remember that? Yeah, I totally remember the moment, but I'm trying to remember what led up to that. I, f- I feel like I don't remember the specific situation, but I feel like there was some chaos in the house. With yes. both sets of in-laws and then the kids, there was some stuff going on with the kids. And I think that they went out At on the school. fire escape yes. yeah, to, to sort of like escape the chaos of what was going right. on and share a smoke. 
And uh, in that moment, like maybe had some sort of like, maybe it was to show a little bit of like nostalgia of remember we were here before and should we maybe explore this again? And then once the kiss sort of happened, I think that was maybe some closure for them to show that they're, they don't deserve to be together or. Oh man, I hope, I hope not. I really don't. I, I thought it was, well, to me, when they did that, I felt like, oh, we still have this connection. Like we still have this, even though it may not go further than this, we still, we're still really important in each other's lives. Yeah. Well, I feel like they always, they, they kind of close that loop of the level of importance when she goes back and visits him in prison, right? Like, yeah. and then, then I think that I seem to remember there was some dialogue in there about like, she does, she's the only one in the family that goes to see him on the regular. Yeah. You know, yeah. still, so uh, you know, even not even their kids to, to go see him. I think she was the mm-hmm. only one who went to go visit him in prison and, you know, sort of like, kind of bittersweet that he ended up in prison, although he did definitely opt into like full well knowing that there's this illegal gambling ring going on in the basement (laughs) of his club. Like he kind of, he knew all of that willingly. It's not like he was there by accident, but still like kind of bittersweet that remember when they were just this aspiring couple and they had this, you know, fabric, uh, you know, sort of a sweatshop, I guess, (laughs) that they were running, but like this, the sort of, you know, clothing, clothing uh, factory that they owned. And then fast forward and look how far Midge has come with her private helicopter and her huge career. And he's in prison for, you know, probably stayed out of respect for May, you know, who he still loved and ended up not getting in the end because of her choice to have an abortion. And, you know, that was also a bittersweet thing, right? Because he yeah. really loved her, I felt like. And yeah. really wanted to be with her, and it didn't happen. It didn't pan out for him. Life never turned out how he wanted it to turn out. No, Mm-mm. sure did not. I do have some thoughts about Joel and and Midge, but before I get to that, I wanted to just jump back to uh, the first episode of the season, just because I thought it was hilarious, and I wanted to yeah. bring up a couple moments in there. So it opens up where Midge has been frozen, and she's in bed, and her toe is. I don't know why. I just think it's hysterical. <laughs> She's frozen and her toe is black. black. And the the mom, Rose, calls Susie to come over to translate because she can't understand her daughter. <laughs> so Susie comes over. I know. So Susie comes over and uses her key. And then Abe is like, why does she have a key? So I just want to bring this up because this whole segment is why I love the writing and the acting so much because mm-hmm. I laughed so hard during this episode. It was all the back and forth, how Abe was so focused on why Susie had this key. And the whole time that this is happening with Midge's toe, all he <laughs> wants is that key back. He just yes. wants that key back. And Rose has her own agenda. And Susie's just trying to figure out what happened to Midge. Because she's mumbling and she's in this, this, <laughs> this, I don't know, this 
mind fog of what happened and the things that are coming out of her mouth are hysterical because Susie's all, wait, did she sleep with Tony Bennett? What's <laughs> happening? And uh, it's just so funny. It's it's just so, and then she goes out and she has to take a drink because she's all, you didn't tell me that her toe was black. She's all, she's been in a war and an old war at that. It was just, <laughs> I was just dying and about how this is going affect the way she wears shoes and just on and on and on. Yes. I just loved it. I just loved the opening of of episode one into this whole season. Yes. And we see more of the maid and this boyfriend and this beau that she has. And of course, we see her get the writing job, how she gets that. And with, oh my gosh. And when Susie was trying to get Midge onto Gordon Ford, and she kept trying to reach Mike. And it was yes. so funny. Uh, she's trying to motion to him. That's another part that's funny. These aren't even words, but it's the acting where she's motioning to him. He's across the way and he's miming to her. No, he's not coming over to her. And she's all, come on, come on, motioning to him like <laughs> we got to talk. And then she chases him to that uh, tree farm and interrupts him with his kids. And she's yes. just relentless. She does that to him. She does that to so many people. She's just willing to go anywhere. She goes into that gay bathhouse to get into that other guy to find out the answer for her other client. I, she's just, we just get to see so much of Susie and, and her working her manager self into yes. everybody's lives, you know, to get deals or gigs or jobs for her people. And so I just loved seeing all of that in the season. And yeah, you had talked about the kids watching her kids and those flash forwards of uh, not only Esther and how she's, she talks like her mother, which was so yes. interesting how they got a, a an actress to portray that was was kind of yes. cool to, to be just like a mini midge in that regard. And also to see Ethan and where he ends up. And of course, that goes to show you that they both feel estranged and not really don't know their mother and their mother really yeah. doesn't know them. Yeah. Sorry, before you get too far, I, I want to go back to what you were talking about in that in episode one, because you're you're bringing up for me the brilliance of the writing of this, which is very much um, it's play like. You know, that they, they, they wrote, especially that episode in the way that you described it is written like it's a cacophony. It's a symphony, right? And, and I, and I love that the writer sort of carry this thread out through it because what I mean by that is like Abe getting so fixated on the key is he's an instrument. So he's, he's playing his tune yeah, and he's, absolutely. he's, he's hyper focused on that. At the same time, you're layering in Susie and her hyperfixation on trying to understand what Midge is saying and then getting so thrown off by that toe. So she's going off on that rant at the same time. Then you layer in Midge and her mumbling and she's hyper-focused and in her own world at that moment. And then her mother, who's hyper-focused, they're all yeah. single tracking <laughs> at the same time. And, oh and hyper focus playing their tunes oh, at the same time. So That's good. what I mean by that. So good. That, that is how real life works. Oh, absolutely. Th like it's, we are not watching a show <laughs> that is written like 
fake life, which is where one person talks and the other person listens and then the other person talks and the other person listens. Like that's not how life goes, especially in a Jewish household. In a Jewish household or an Italian or like one of like a culturally, um, uh, historically cultural fam- family that is used to talking over each other, mm-hmm. the, lo- the loudest voice in the room wins and everyone's talking over each other at the same time. And they're droning on about the thing <laughs> that they're hyper-focused about and no one's listening. That's how life works. It does. That's most families, I think. I think it's most yes. families. Well, and it's by so the way, funny. that was not my family. I was raised in a like washy middle yeah. Midwestern yeah. family where we did take turns talking. And we sat around at the dinner table and we all said, how was your day today? Oh, my day was very interesting. Like very, very surface level, very like everyone sits and just listens to one person talking. Like it's very business-like. So to be in uh, all of a sudden thrown into that scenario, it's very jarring, <laughs> right? Like, oh my God, what's happening? Everyone's just saying <laughs> words are coming out of their mouth and and who listens to who and who do I pay attention to? And oh my God, Okay, but it's very much like a symphony. It's so funny. That's so funny because I would say my family growing up, like my parents and my siblings and that family, I, the way you mentioned it, like everybody has their turn and says whatever they're going to say. But my current family with me, my husband, my sons, and everybody, and all of us, everybody's always talking and everybody's trying to talk over each other. So there yeah. is a difference of you know, that dynamic. So I, I, I have been in both worlds. So, but it, yeah, I love it. This, you're right about what I saw and how you translated that. That was perfect. I think that that's so yeah. perfect. Well, and, and what I love about it too, is like, even if you take away the words that they're saying, each of the characters has, ha, has a, a resonance and a sound to them. Right. They do like, like, huh, 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 like that's Susie, right? Abe is very different. He's all, you can see Courtney right now. You know what I mean? Like, but like you just, you just listen to the sound of their voices. It's, it's all very, Joel is very like, very almost one note, you know, he, he, his resonance, he, when he talks, it's almost like, uh, you know, and very also for mid, she has a very distinctive up and down, oh. like, ah, yeah, 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 she does. you know, like, it's very, I know I sound ridiculous right now, but it's like, it's, it, and this is the beauty of the show, it right? Is. It shows how, totally how is. well, how well the characters um, embraced these, oh, or the actors yes. embrace the characters, mm-hmm. how well they're, they're consistent in their portrayal of these characters. And and when you listen to like Rachel Brosnahan, yes, Brosnahan, she she does not speak in her regular voice like Midge. That was a voice. That was a bit that she was doing. It's it's not how she speaks in her normal voice. And so it to me that just shows how how brilliantly she acted it. Like she truly stepped into the skin of Midge. Yeah, <laughs> when she, when she was acting as as Midge. It's so good. So let's talk about the characters and the relationships. And so you were talking about Joel earlier, and I just wanted to bring that back up because I loved seeing Joel's journey as a husband, ex-husband, as a person, because we really do see him 
changed throughout this this season and yeah really come to admire respect love midge for who she yeah. is which i absolutely love because in the back i just always wanted them to be back together somehow again because i i do know how much he does love her and i think he has grown to understand her and support her support her career he's he's finally and i'm jumping ahead because we are going to get to the season finale but um he is finally proud of her he's finally says yeah. you can you can say, you can put me in your routine. You can joke about me. I, I know, like he's, he has, um, he has a confidence now of knowing where he stands and he, it's okay that she says what she has to say. So. Yeah. But I think that that's why they could never be together, you know, because True. a strong, a strong, um, woman like Midge requires a very secure man. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and and dis- despite Joel having over time, which I think his respect for her ultimately came from his uh realization that life he just got beat down by life. <laughs> I I think that he his own life didn't turn out the way that he saw it and then he ultimately came to admire her never stopping her pursuit of her her true love and her true passion. Yes. But he also, which we're going to get into in a second, but he also gave up his life because that's the mother of his yeah. kids when he gave himself up to the to the mob, yeah. you know, instead of Susie and Midge. Well, not really because of Midge. He didn't want Midge to have any part of that. So he gave yeah. his life up, and, you know, and everything else that he could do for her. And you're right. It was after him in May, you know, after that, she said, no, I'm going to go off and be a doctor over here and I'm not going to have this baby. And so, yeah, I think his life took a turn. Uh, So I think he did give up a lot. But she also said when she was going to get married in the future, she didn't want to marry that Philip guy because she said, one, he doesn't make me laugh, but also because I I love Joel. (laughs) And her mother's all Joel Gray. And she's all, no, no, I'm not Joel Gray. She's all, well, you were engaged to him once. (laughs) Which was so funny. But I love that she brought that up, right? That no, I'm still in love with Joel. That's who I love. And so I thought that that was, uh, 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 you know, just their relationship. And yes, maybe they can't be together, but they're always going to love each other. And I love that too. I'm like, I'm okay with that. As long as you guys are in each other's lives, supporting each other, I think that that's just really great. Yeah. Well, and maybe she realized that she always just needed to be married to her career. Yeah, she was. I don't know. She absolutely was. That's what she needed to, to be for the success that she wanted. Yeah. Okay. And we talked a bit about Abe and Rose. And uh, it was funny with Abe being fixated on his grandson for so long and then realizing <laughs> it was his granddaughter that had the gift. And so I thought that that was just, um, uh, that was cool. And also realizing that uh, the epiphany about his daughter. I thought that was yeah. so good. Just just the things that he said to her and how he said she was remarkable. Yeah. Um, and and realizing that, right? It wasn't his sons, it was his daughters and his granddaughter that yeah. uh, gave him what he 
you know, their their value and and their relationship and who they were. So yeah, I well, and I did. Th- this was the redemption season, you know, like this this season of tying up these sort of danglers that were that were dropped in earlier seasons about like Midge wanting the approval of her father. Yeah, you know that that's that's part of why she wanted to do what she wanted to do. I think whether she said it out loud or not, like it was always about earning that respect of her father. And who sort of always, you know, her, her dad and her mom never really understood what it is that she did and couldn't understand why she was doing it. And, um, so that was a full circle moment when I I was just really happy that they, that they allowed Abe to see beyond himself and be, have that moment of vulnerability with his daughter that meant the world to her. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And to even see, you know, spoiler alert, the passing of her mother and, what that must have meant to, to Midge, you know, like just to, to to have to go through that and to lose her mother and everything that sort of had evolved in the relationship over the, over time that we, that we saw, I thought was really a sweet way to, to put a bow on that. And also this like Susie and Midge reconciling after, after all of that time and the sort of scheming behind the scenes of <laughs> the hilarious scenes when she has to play the garbage, the garbage oh, person in that yes. ridiculous play yes. <laughs> at the trade show yeah. in front of the mob. <laughs> Just hilar- hilarious, you know, what, why it fell out in the first place. Yeah. So Susie and Midge, I, I resaw that episode last night, uh, episode six, the Testa Rostial, that talks about, and actually watching it the second time was so much better. It emphasized so much. We saw the rift, why it had happened. We knew it happened, but we didn't know why it happened, and right. we didn't know how long it was. And so I love that that episode, everybody talking to each other about why they couldn't say Midge's name, what that meant, and everybody giving their stories. I thought that that was just brilliant way to fill in all the gaps in one episode as to what happened. And so I I actually love that episode. I didn't realize how much I loved the episode until seeing it the second time, but... Well, now I have to go back and rewatch it. Watch it. it. It's so good the second time. Episode six. Episode six. Testa okay. Rostiel is the name of it. <laughs> but but yeah, that's how we find out why they got in a rift. And we see when he gets, uh, when Joel gets arrested. And then Susie comes back and meets with Midge. It comes out that she says, oh, you've been lying to me. And, and then they say some terrible things to each other. And that's yeah. how it all started. Um, yeah. You know, Susie calls her some names, <laughs> calls her the C word. And, uh, and then Midge comes back and says, Oh, I'm going to remember you this way being so small. And oh my God, the words are like daggers between these two women because they've been s- such good friends and, you know, manager and, um, comedian. And then, of course, friends. Uh, yeah. and I think Susie brings up the word friend and, Midge says, oh, you're going to bring up that word finally? Now you're going to bring up the word? <laughs> I've tried to get that word out of you for so long and I haven't been able to. Anyway, it it begins with that. But I love the ending of that because we see after no one can say her name. It's like Voldemort. <laughs> and then Midge sends that video clip of her 
saying that she wouldn't have had that career without Susie there and everything that Susie has done. And oh my gosh, I had tears. I had tears watching that the second time. Of course, Midge does too. I mean, not Midge, Susie has them too. Yeah. And just that they're going to reconnect. They're finally going to reconnect. And I, I just, it was such a good episode. It's so much about women and friendship and that it's okay. You have quarrels or you have fights or you have rifts, but it's never too late to say, I'm sorry and go back and, you know, regain that friendship because it is so important to the both of them. So, yeah. Okay. So let's talk about Susie and Hetty because I thought that that was a really, a good segment. I really liked the introduction of Hetty and who she was to Susie and how that helped Midge in her career. So what did you yes. think about that relationship? I thought it was an important connection point between the Gordon Ford, Midge, Susie storyline. First of all, I love the actress who plays Hetty. I, yeah. I, I was going back and I was like, where else have I seen her? But I freaking love her. I just think that she is... Um, I don't know. I, she's something about her that's really compelling. So I love the there fact that is. they brought in. Yeah, they, they brought in um, also like the lesbian, um, forbidden, uh, have to hide it, which is why she ended up marrying Gordon. But they have an arrangement, <laughs> you know, situation, which, of course, would have to happen in the 50s and 60s. Uh, and it also made me wonder Susie's love for Hetty. Is this what made her fight so hard for Midge to to continue and press to get her on the Gordon Ford show because of the connection? Like I, I, I was like, and maybe I'm searching for something that's probably not there, but like because she really wanted to be around Hetty, even though Hetty broke her heart, and yet now knew that she was married to Gordon, and that just put an extra like incentive for her to want to continue to push for Midge to be on that show and um, ultimately why the Gordon Ford show became Midge's big, big break. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, it could be actually it could very well be, but I know that Midge also, did she apologize to Susie for putting her in that position? But I love that conversation, by the way, between those two, when she starts to ask her, she's like, Oh, you guys were together and she's like, why can't we be together? <laughs> yeah. Because of me, the way who I am. I'm like, she'll, no, 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 no. I just want to know. And is that the only person you've ever loved? Which is interesting because I think I read somewhere I what that, you know, they speculated on Susie loving Midge in that way or, mm-hmm. and she does ask her, have you ever been blonde? I thought that mm-hmm. was an interesting take on that. I, I hadn't really thought about that. I didn't really see that. Because I saw them more as a friendship love, but who's to say? I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to say on Hetty and Susie before we? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you are right though. Maybe, maybe Susie did love Midge in that way, and maybe that's why she continued to fight for her so hard over the years, but knew that they would never be together, and why it hurt so much when she when they when they sort of parted ways. Yeah, you know, like. Like she got burned again. Like in in Susie's mind, Susie's romantic relationships don't ever work out. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) No matter what. Yeah. I don't know. I guess we don't know for sure. We know she loved her, but how did she love her? How did Susie love Midge? That I don't know. I really don't know. So, but we do know that they loved each other. 
Yeah, so for sure. Okay, let's move into Midge's career and the final episode. What did you think of this final episode? Well, I was a little bit on the edge of my seat because I was like, okay, Midge is not going to stand for just sitting and being interviewed as a writer because this is just not in her nature. (laughs) You know, like getting on the Gordon Ford show does not mean having to do it Gordon's way. It means I'm a stand-up comedian and I get to come to the couch. So I'm so glad that they showed like that. I love that they called it four minutes. I have four minutes left. I love that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and the banter back and forth between her and Susie about like, I think I just got to go do this. And Susie's pep talk to say, this is how your career got started. Just go grab the mic and start, love you know, just, just be you. So I loved that they started it or they, they, they finished it the way that it started. Right. And mm-hmm. the fact that this was the big break and that Gordon just let her do it. Right. Which I think he kind of wanted to, like, we all knew he wasn't going to let her do that in the first place because it was his ego that was taking over. Yeah. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and she reminded him in that moment that he can get out of his own way, which I thought was a nice character development in Gordon, you know, just because he was a great character on the show. And I think he did show moments of humanity and non chauvinism, (laughs) if you would. Uh, just because is that a learned behavior? I think so. That can also be unlearned in the presence of, you know, someone as brilliant as Midge. So I'm glad that he got out of, out of her way to, to let her do that. So I thought it was, I thought it was a really great way to end the season. It felt like closure. It did. I absolutely loved it too. Of course, that was, yeah, the highlight of, of it. Um, I wanted to step back and say, uh, when Gordon and Midge had that conversation where he wanted to sleep with her or be with mm-hmm. her or whatever. And she said to him, if I'm with you, then I'll never know if I get on the show. He's like, you're not getting on the show. She's all, well, you know, and they kept going back yeah. and forth about that. Uh, she's all, let's just say that I am. And she moves forward and says, okay, let's just say that I am on the show. I'll never know if it was because I slept with you or if it was because of my talent. Yeah. So I can never sleep with you. Yeah. I love that she said that to him. And then, of course, they have a dance together, which was really cool. Yeah. The episode was great because we start off, she thinks she's on the show. She's got to wear this outfit. She starts telling everybody again into a hilarious bit about the phone call and Rose. So Rose is not going to go because we see Midge call her dad, Abe, and he's so excited for her. And he says, oh, Midge, this is wonderful. And I just love the way he says it. And she saw Papa or Papa or Daddy. I don't know how she says it, but she says, you know, she's so happy that he's proud of her. And she says, you know, and he goes to go tell Rose and she's, I'm not going. She didn't bother to call me. She called you. Yes. <laughs> so I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So then she said, oh, but she was trying to call you. It's been for her. No, no, no. I haven't been on the phone. She goes over to the phone and she realizes it's off the hook. She puts it on the hook. <laughs> when she puts it on the hook, everybody calls her. And I love that segment with everybody Wasn't that great? calling her. You know, the in-laws call her. The other writers call her. Joel calls her. The The maid calls her, even though he's not supposed to call her. because Hiding husband, in the bathroom. Yeah. because And she says, my <laughs> husband says, you're like vampires sucking the blood out of me. Yes. <laughs> Which is so funny. And oh, there's an episode previous to that where he says that they're... Um, 
what does he call them? I, I don't. I might be making this up, but like lifeless lambs, like they don't know how to do anything. If you don't let them do anything, they're not going to be able to do anything. Yes. About like even answering the phone or getting cream for your coffee, whatever it is. I, I the whole thing. Gosh, all these things keep coming up about how hilarious this show is. But, yes. So that phone call, getting that phone call, and finally Rose is excited because she realizes how much her daughter wants her to be here, there. Yeah. And so I thought that was really special because for Rose, that was like, oh, my daughter really wants me to be there. Okay, I'm going to be there. So that was that was great for them. And of course, Abe being so proud of her and telling her, yes, use the jokes about me and and having them all in the audience uh, watching her. And then, of course, then she realizes that she's going on as a writer and not as a comedian was was heartbreaking. But like you said, they work through it and and she sees her opportunity. And I love that she sees that opportunity. And she checks in with Susie about it and and moves forward with that. So it was just a perfect uh well now you're making me think about like the thread of the storyline is about earning your parents' approval and the importance of earning your parents' approval, no matter how old you are. Oh, of course. And, Always. but her kids yeah. don't get that. Well, not yet. <laughs> we right. But we're there. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, like yeah. I, I, and that's why maybe could be some of the flash forward episodes, right. Which is that they're in therapy and yeah. they're, they're trying to deal with the fact that it's the number one thing that Midge always wanted was her parents' approval. And, uh, she didn't give it to her kids. She wasn't able to give it to her kids in that same way that she needed it, but didn't even realize that her kids needed it as much as she needed it. Yeah, exactly. True. That's, that's life, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So these two women, it was just great to see them. They both failed so many times throughout the series, Yeah, but they kept getting back up and doing it again. And that's what I loved seeing between these two women. I think that was the driving force of this whole show. Just keep getting up and doing it again and having a, that friendship and that bond between the two of them and being able to do that. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's what it is to be human. Yeah. And I think that's why this whole series worked. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they they showed we all have this in our own lives, right? Like we have dreams. And so we take actions to go towards our dreams. And then it doesn't work out how we thought it was going to work out. But it doesn't mean we stop. It means that we take the lessons and we we trudge forward. And we keep going. And the, the thing that I loved about this show and the relationships that it celebrated is, you know, the hardest thing to do in relationships is stay. When, when you have a falling out, when you are fighting or when you are not getting along or whatever, like staying in relationship is the hardest thing as human beings. And when you layer in all of the things that we do as human beings of assuming assumptions are the killer of relationships, right? We all have our own movies in our head that we make up about other people when the truth is none of it's true. And if we just were having a conversation or being in relationship with the other person and then asking them to start to clear some of those assumptions, then we could avoid a lot of heartache in our lives. And I love that they showed that we don't always do that, that sometimes some of the lifelong relationships that you have can, 
can get have assumptions get in the way or have, you know, situations get in the way. But like you said, it's never too late to rectify those situations, but you have to be in relationship to do it. Right. You, ha- you have to have the conversations and the vulnerable, um, the vulnerability that it takes to have those conversations to say, I really miss you. And I messed up. Will you forgive me? Yeah. Well, hopefully <laughs> she'll have that with her kids. Cause that's yeah. true. The, I think out of all the relationships, that's the one that needs the mending right now in, you know, at this point. Yeah. Before we, um, uh, wind this up, I do want to quickly mention Lenny. I yeah. thought that that was um, sad, but it's true. He's a real life comedian that existed at that time. And I thought that was yeah. kind of sad situation to see. I was glad they brought Silvio back, who was Milo Ventimiglia, who I love. And he was able yeah. to apologize and kind of straighten out what happened between them. And then May, I felt it ended too quickly for her. I wish they could have just given her a little bit more time in the season, but um they had so much to work into the series. So yeah, um, we are going to get to our favorite moments, but is there any other tidbit you wanted to bring up before you get to your favorite moment in this uh, series? The, the May storyline, like play it out. What would have happened if Joel went to Chicago with her? Like yeah. he would have been yeah. out of the picture right. and he, he would have had to leave New York and he probably would never have gone to jail. And maybe Midge, like that, that would have been a whole sliding door timeline. Right. Right. So yeah. in, in a lot of ways for it to end the way that it ended, he, he couldn't have gone with her. So it sort of needed to end in that way. And she needed to not have the baby because otherwise that was a clean oh, yes, break yeah. of that character, you know, so he couldn't have like a dangling kid yeah. out in Chicago somewhere. Wait, can I add one more thing? Um, yeah. His, uh, Joel's parents, I, I thought it was really uh, kind of cute, kind of sweet that they were getting a divorce in episode yeah. one. And then at the end of the episode, they fell both in the shower. And I laughed out loud when I saw them in the shower and her with her fur coat and she was laying on him and they were talking and talking and he decided he was finally going to retire. And they just had, they just reconciled. I just thought it was such a cute thing <laughs> to happen for them because so, they were great too. They were awesome. And like, also, I love how they announce their divorce. It's so nonchalant. Like at the, at the dinner table, they're just like, oh, yeah, by the way, like, and um, just like another indicator of like, it doesn't even matter what your status is, you're divorced or married, like you're still family, and we're still going to be together, no matter what. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. that's sort of how, it, how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> You yeah, know? the mom was saying, that's my daughter. That's my daughter on the Gordon Ford show Yes, when Midge yes. was up there. And then Jill's all, that's my ex-wife. That's my ex-wife. It's just so <laughs> funny. <laughs> it was such a funny moment. Okay, right? so tell me, what, did you have a favorite? There's so many, so it's really hard to choose. But did you have a favorite part or moment in the series or in this finale? Oh, I mean, the the standing out moments are like, I would say the the part that you talked about where the phone was off the hook and then it just like, that was such a quintessential comedic bit. Yeah. Like, oh my God, you've been trying to call. You're a hard person to get a hold of. Okay. Hangs up. Ring. Oh my God. I'm so glad I got through. Like to me, I, I, the brilliant moments of, of this season and the series really is when it is written like a true comedic play. You know, some like it hot, you know, like some yeah. of those where it's yeah. just like nonstop physical comedy, you know, like 
brilliant acting, single camera. Oh my God, this is real life. I'm like witnessing someone's real life. It's, it's the stuff that makes you laugh out loud, right? Yeah. Like you just said, when they fall in the shower and they're just like falling into this thing, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the, the, how, how we get ourselves into these everyday situations. It can be completely hilarious. You know, if you can take the time to get out of your, out of your own body and observe yourself of the absolute ridiculousness of it all, the, the total absurdity of it all. And it's funny. Like that, that's what I would celebrate as a, as a top line giveaway of, or takeaway of this whole, of this whole season. Those were my favorite parts. Yeah. Those, those were the highlight, the toe, the phone call. But yeah. I also, I did enjoy the ending and the last moments of her four minutes because I, I just like the way they shot it, the lighting that they had around her, her realization of taking this shot, what this means to her, looking out at the audience and then having her bit and everybody just laughing at what she's saying. I just, I loved it so much. And I loved her, the end of it, because she talks about being brave enough to go for it and not mm -hmm. to look out that window and see basically a life that you could have had and didn't take it. Yeah. Oh my God, that resonated with me so much. And I think one of the last lines she says in her bit is being a coward is only cute in The Wizard of Oz. Mm. And uh, then she says, and then she remembers her her kids' names at the end. She's yeah. like, "Oh, Ethan and Esther, that's my kids' names. I knew I would remember it." And of course, everybody applauds. But I just love that moment because I I felt as though Rachel was also saying that. I also saw Rachel shine through. Besides Midge Maisel, I saw the the actress. I don't know. I felt like it was a message to all of us, right? Just yeah, take a hold of your life. Yeah. Take the opportunities and just go for it. Yeah. Go and it's it. not without its sacrifices, right? Like this is part of the True. paradoxical tension of life, which is, yeah, uh, which I think is a great lesson for all of us to remember all the time to say, don't live with regret, but also you're going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know? I'm, it's funny that you said that because I did want to mention something earlier that I didn't was that. We see her at the very end when the whole Jeopardy call with Susie and they're all friends when they're older, but she's walking through this big, huge house all by herself. She has no yeah. one in that house. She has pictures. She has people that she work for her, but she has no one else in that house with her, which is sad, but that's what she yeah. wanted. That's the that's life she, she wanted. And yep. that's what she chose. So she's still busy because I was thinking to myself, I was trying to add up in my head how old she was at this point. And I think she was like in her 70s um, yeah. about that that time because I think 40 years had passed, 40, and I don't know how old she was when she started this in 61. So anyway, um, it was late 60s, early 70s, and she's still doing this and she's um, watching Jeopardy with her friend, which I thought was a cute way to end it. But it was a realization on my part as to where her life has led her and what she has, which, you know, yeah. hopefully she gets some phone calls from people she loves, but otherwise she has Susie. That's who she is. Yeah. She, she made her choice ah. and she, yeah. she also, she has no regrets, but she has all regrets. Yeah. And that, that's how life goes. Uh-huh. We all make choices. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Courtney, thank you for that conversation on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Do you have any other TV show or movie recommendations? 
I would say the one I mentioned earlier, which is FUBAR, which is on uh, Netflix, I believe. It's a episodic series that is super funny. And Arnold Schwarzenegger, like I'm, I'm a fan and it's really cute. So I would recommend that. And uh, also we just finished The Night Agent, which mm, is on Netflix. That. Really love that. Yes. Loved that. Love that series. And um, looking forward to coming up Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I can't wait for that. We already have tickets June 30th. I will be there with bills. Ah, so excited for that. Yes. I don't get to go to the movies too often, but I did see Fast X in theaters and I did see Transformers Rise of the Beast. I love What do you think of Transformers? I thought it was great. I loved it. I love I love Anthony Ramos. So I already love him. So yeah. I thought, okay, I want to see what happens. And it is in 19, set in 1994. Um, yeah. The Mark Wahlberg Transformers are, and I like Mark Wahlberg, but those are not my favorite ones. I like the original ones. So I liked this one. I thought it was, um, it was interesting that it was set in 1994, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, yeah. But uh, out, yeah, out of I 10. Liked it. What- what do you give it out of 10? Oh my gosh, this is so hard. I would say seven, maybe. Yeah, I'd give it a six. Only only for its moments of cheesiness. Like there were a couple parts where Brian and I looked at each other like, really, <laughs> did they just say that? Like, come on. So, but I, I, I did love Fast X, which I know a lot of people were like, oh, this movie, I loved the movie. I thought Jason Momoa was amazing. He was the best villain. Um, of course, I love Vin Diesel. Uh, he, I, I got teary-eyed several times in this movie. I just thought it was so good. I thought it was better than nine for me. So I, I really enjoyed it. So I would encourage people to watch both of them because I liked both of them. Nice. That's my uh, recommendations on those. All right. You can check out my blog at screensandfocus.com for more recommendations. And I also encourage you to check out my weekly Facebook lives on what to watch this week, where I share with you all the latest TV movies recommendations. All right. Thank you, Courtney, for joining me today in our discussion. Thank you. I love talking TV and movies with you and you just have the best insight. And so it's always fun. Oh, thank you for having me. I love talking to you about this stuff too. Until we meet again. Yes. All right. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. We are grateful you tuned in and we hope something that we said today resonated with you, gave you a chuckle, some happiness, some positivity or inspiration. Please subscribe to our website, screensinfocus.com and tell a friend. We would love more members of our TV club. We'll be uploading a new episode in a couple of weeks. You can look for Mayans MC. Uh, love that show. You should be watching it. You can find our website listed in our show notes, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.